This is Zoe Church LA. We're not just fans, but rather followers of Jesus. Tune in as Pastor Chad Veach teaches of God's love and how we can live a Zoe life, an abundant life. dive into a famous story in the Bible when you think about the most famous, arguably most famous underdog uh, in history. You think of David and Goliath, and uh, maybe you grew up in church. This was a Sunday school message for me, and uh, we're going to look into the story of David and Goliath. But before we do, let's give it up for this incredible band. You guys are amazing. We'll come back to that in a second. But um, maybe you are unfamiliar with the story, not only popular in Sunday school, but popular in business, popular in sports, popular in culture, is that there is this underdog named David, a 14, 15-year-old shepherd boy who defeats the giant named Goliath, the nine-and-a-half-foot, massive, intimidating Philistine warrior beast that David with one shot took down. So spoiler alert, this is how the story ends. But when I heard this story growing up in Sunday school, what it did to my youthful heart, my youthful spirit, is that it made me feel invincible. That a young boy who could face a big, scary giant would give me confidence to walk out what I was called to walk out. And I don't know if you're here and uh, you have kids, but we ask our kids this all the time. What do you want to be when you grow up? And I love that childlike thing. My maverick always responds with something unique and different. But lately, he says, I want to be an astronaut and I want to be a coconut. (laughs) Coconut, you do you, maverick. Go ahead, Coco, you know. (laughs) But when you think of this story, you immediately think about the child story. But it brings me back to a place of that childlike faith. But the reality is that through life and through seasons, through experiences and through failures, giants that we have faced have diminished our faith. That invincibility that we once had as children continues to quiet in every battle that we face. And when I get into this story, in the start of the story, there's the visual about where they start. It's in the Valley of Allah, and it says the Philistine army is up on one hill, and, and, the, and the Israelites are on another and they draw the battle line, and they're ready to fight right at the line. But yet the Israelites stay on the hill for 40 days. It says morning and night the Philistines come down to the battle line, but the Israelites stay. I wonder how many times we have felt that fearful ability to step into the call or to the promises that God has for us. It's so interesting that the Valley of Allah, if you look at it on a map, is actually right in the middle of where the promised land is. And maybe you're here and you're like, I'm in the middle of my promised land. I have everything I've prayed for. I wanted to be a part of a church. I wanted to be married. I wanted to have kids. 
But yet just because we're in the promised land doesn't mean that it doesn't feel promising at times. And there's giants lurking at our door. And maybe you're here and you're like, uh, I, I don't know if you know this, but I've got a big giant. Can I just tell you here today that we know a bigger one, and his name is Jesus, and he's bigger than your circumstance. He's bigger than your, your issue, your obstacle. If you're taking notes here this afternoon, I've titled this message. In the theme of this song, I found victory. I found victory and I'm just going to believe today that maybe you're here and you're just one stone or one shot away from taking down the impossible scenario. Today we're going to get the confidence for us to lift up our rock and shoot it at our miracle. Amen. God, we thank you that you've given us faith. God, we pray for faith to be infused here today. We thank you that we look to you, that our battle belongs to you. Jesus, speak to us in your name. Amen. 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 When I think of the underdog, the great underdog, immediately I think of sports analogies. Now, yeah, Chad says, yeah, good. And, uh, you know, you just... The person that jumps into the game and shoots the winning shot or, you know, I try to think of any underdog stories that I have, but I was never the person with the winning shot. I was not even the person at the end of the bench that got called into the game or the underdog story that I worked so hard and I made varsity. No, none of those. My underdog stories are like, I was the seventh grade checker champion, or, you know, hey, you know, I was part of the math Olympics and captain of the science team, choir president, you know, just things like that. But one time in, when I was in college, I, I enjoyed working out. I mean, I wouldn't say I'm athletic, but I enjoyed working out and exercising, and I was running quite a bit. And uh, I signed up for a small little sprint triathlon. Now, if you don't know anything about triathlons, there are three sports, biking, running. I kind of have the running down and swimming. And uh, I'm like, I swim on vacation. It's fine. So I sign up. I don't do any training. The day before, I go and rent a mountain bike. I didn't know that that's not what you're supposed to do. The morning of, I go to the only store I can find, Walmart, at 5.30 a.m., and I buy a child's helmet. It's like literally tilting to the side in the middle of the race. Well, they blow the whistle, and I dive into the water, and I'm realizing that everyone around me is doing the same stroke. I mean, if you've seen a triathlon, which clearly I have never, uh, they're all doing the breaststroke. And I'm like side scissor, backstroke, frog, you know? back frog, you know, I'm just like all, all the things that like get me through. I mean, I'm coming in dead last in the swim and I'm like, I, I am just in over my head. I am obviously unqualified and unable to complete this anywhere in the top 90%. And uh, I just, I think a lot of times in life, we feel like the Israelites staring down at the battle line, where we're like, should we go, should we not go? We feel that fear is actually paralyzing us to step up to the thing and the obstacle that we need to face. And uh, I don't know about you, but sometimes I have 
uh, tendency to put things off a little bit. <laughs> Whoops. And, uh, you know, I just sometimes maybe you're here and you're like, I've been putting off my New Year's resolutions or putting off my good, healthy eating habits or I don't want to work out. I don't want anyone to look at me at the gym. Or for me, it's like the dentist appointment. They're like, when's the last time you floss? Quit asking me. You were there, you know? So, um, so the Israelites are like, literally, I'm fearful. I'm putting this off. And we get, we get to 1 Samuel 17, verse 1. And now the Philistines gather their forces for war and assembled in Judah. They pitched their camp. And Saul and the Israelites, Saul the leader, assembled and camped in the valley of Allah and drew their battle line. And they occupied one hill and the Israelites another with that valley. And then here comes onto the scene, dun, 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 the big scary giant. It says, a champion named Goliath, who was from Gath, came out of the camp. His height was six cubits, and he had a bronze helmet, and he wore a coat of armor and bronze with 5,000 shekels, and on his legs he wore bronze. I mean, on and on, it starts just being descriptive about this fancy, heavy, weighty armor. It's actually over 100 pounds of armor. And his sword weighed about 15 pounds. And here comes this intimidation tactic. Large, in charge, glamorized head to toe. And in verse 4, it says, a champion named Goliath. Now, I don't know if you're here and uh, you have an obstacle or a problem that you're facing. But I've... I read this and I think about giants that stick out to me. Giants of insecurity, giants of fear, giants of anxiousness, giants, giants of rejection, giants of inf inferiority. I think about even the giant of comfort. That it's easy for the Israelites to stay in the place of fear than to choose faith. So what do they do? They start naming their giant a champion, a winner. Can I just tell you, don't allow your giant to be given the power of a champion. I'm officially, I'm officially a soccer mom. Now when I say officially, I've gone to two practices but it was with a minivan. So um, I, Winston, does he know how to play soccer? Eh, you know, he kind of runs around. But uh, could you imagine Saul, the leader of Israelite, has zero belief in the army. Like he, he thinks that Goliath is the champion. I mean, could you imagine if I'm on the sideline and I'm like, hey, Winston, come here. You see Billy? Okay, Billy's better than you. In fact, he's a winner, you know. And uh, verdict's out if you have mom's or dad's athleticism. So uh, Billy, um, we're, you know, just, just watch Billy. Billy's the champion. Pass the ball to Billy. Let Billy win, you know. No, I don't speak that to my child. But Israelites had seated mentality that Goliath was already the winner. That's what they, that's what they visualized because that's what came from the top down. Saul 
Saul felt that, their leader felt that, they were led in that way, and then we begin to let our fear take championship over our faith, and we give our giants glory and access to power over our mind and our heart. So Goliath is covered head to toe, and then David refuses to wear the armor that the enemy is wearing. How many of times are we trying to dress up and glamorize and look like the problem? When he says, no, I'm not comfortable like that. I'm comfortable with what I have. I'm confident in my own skin. And I'm going to go just as I am because I believe that God has put in my heart and in my hand exactly what I need to face the enemy. So Goliath starts shouting and name-calling and trash-talking. In verse 11, it says, On hearing the Philistines' words, Saul and all the Israelites were dismayed and terrified. They were terrified. Sometimes it's easier to take comfort in being the victim than to be victorious. And a lot of times we spend our life being dismayed and to start allowing that giant to take power over our lives. You want to know how to combat these feelings? Let's get into what David starts to demonstrate when he shows up on the scene. Actually, Jesus said it best in Mark 11, verses 24. He says, therefore, I tell you, whatever you ask in prayer, let's say this word together, believe. One more time, believe that you have received it and it will be yours. You want to know what David's antidote was to fear? It was belief. The antidote to fear is faith, belief surrender, trust in our God, that no matter how big it seems, no matter how glamorous, how much power, how much of a champion they say he is, he's got belief in someone that is bigger and better and is victorious. Maybe you're here and you're like, no, 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 you don't know how big my giant is. It doesn't matter. I know a bigger one. Someone who's bigger than our weakness bigger than our fear. He is the one that fights before us. Stop celebrating and praising our giants. Stop glamorizing them. Let's start praising the one in advance who's the destroyer and the victor of the giants. Amen. So here comes David in verses 20 through 24. It says, early in the morning, David left the flock the care of the shepherd, loaded up and set out as Jesse had directed. He reached the camp as the army was going to its battle positions, shouting the war cry. Israel and the Philistines were drawing up their lines facing each other, so they were ready to go. David left his things with the keeper of supplies, ran to the battle lines and asked his brothers how they were. That's convenient and sweet, you know. As he was talking to them, Goliath, the Philistine champion of Gath, stepped out from his lines and shouted his usual defiance, and David heard it, but he didn't believe it. 24 says, whenever the Israelites saw the man, they all fled from him in great fear. You want to know what the difference is here? Is vision. That's why I love Sunday last week so much, is that 
this, this message of Vision Sunday gave me faith to see. And sometimes, I don't know about you, but I need new lenses. The vision is the advantage of the disadvantaged. So maybe you're here and you're like, I am a mess. I have shortcomings. I have failures. I, I, I'm not equipped. I'm not educated. I'm not enough. I don't have what it takes. Welcome to the club. We are all a bunch, a collective of broken people just willing to be used by God. And our advantage is that we can see the one who fights on our behalf. We can see him doing his work at hand. It's simple. It's, it's not anything is possible just to those who believe. It's to those who can see the impossible too. It was belief and it was vision. And if you get into these 50-something verses, you see that this passage is oddly sensory-based. There is so much see and heard and thought and feelings in here. Feelings of fear, feelings of confidence, feel, feelings. It says in here in the Israelites in verse 24, whenever the Israelites saw the scary man, the giant, they fled in fear. In verse 25, it says, do you see this giant? There's just, there, what they see is something bigger and scarier than actually is happening. And Saul, what did he see? He saw hand-to-hand -hand combat. He saw David as less than. He saw Goliath as a champion. And these Israelites, when they heard and they saw, it, it produced fear in them. They heard the taunts. They saw his size. And then what they say? They fled. They ran. Fear was what they based their action upon. In, in the Gospels, the, the famous story about Jesus feeding the multitudes, what does he say to the disciples? He says, look at what you have. Go and see. Basically, David's mentality is saying, I'm going to see what God has given me, and I'm going to look at the advantages that I have around me. So what did David see? He saw a potential weapon. David said, if I can just get close enough to my sling that I'm comfortable with, what God's given me, I can visualize this guy going down. And it says he, he looked around and he found those stones. Sometimes we need to work to look and to find the thing that God has for us, the beauty and the rubble, the amazing things that God is doing in the midst of us. Now, if you, maybe you've heard this, but there is a belief that this type of giant that Goliath was, was actually part of a, a giant um, that had a, um, an overproduction of a, a pituitary gland that produced almost like a tumor-like behind his eyes. So they were known to have tunnel vision. So giant, the giant Goliath actually had, it was believed to have a difficult time seeing David 
if he wasn't close to him. So that's why you hear him saying, David, come here, come closer to me. Well, David's smart enough to know if I get close to you and you've got that sword and I've got this, he kept his distance. How often are we lying and living in too close a proximity to the thing that could kill us? And we're drawing bad and we're getting close and we're getting too familiar to the thing. I don't know about you, but I want my proximity to be in his presence. That's where David lied. That's where David lived. So David, he starts preparing himself for battle. And what does preparation do? Preparation produces confidence. Preparation produces a winning confidence. So it's, so Goliath can barely see him. And, and, and David's keeping his distance. And he's saying, come here. He's like, nah, 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 nah. And you're saying, wait, wait, wait. My obstacle, my giant has a difficult time seeing me? Absolutely. Your problem has a difficult time seeing that you are called, you are chosen, that you have the advantage of the word of God, the community that's rallying behind you, the confidence is in the Lord. So he, he sees that his God is in his side. He sees that he has an opportunity to shoot his shot. He has a, he has a vision that's his advantage. And this preparation starts producing in him a confidence. In verse 32, we know Saul, we know, um, Saul is, is, is nervous and, and he's had relationship with David uh, before in earlier contexts in scriptures. But in chapter 16, there is a, there is a moment where Saul is described to have an evil spirit. I don't know about you, but I've faced an evil spirit before, anger, anxiousness, fearfulness. And what does he ask David to do? He asks him to sing, to worship over him. So David's been preparing in a place of worship. His response to evil things, his response to fear-based led people is to worship, to surrender. And in verse 32 in chapter 17, it says, David said to Saul, let no one lose heart. He's got confidence in his God. On account, your servant will go and fight him. Saul replied, you are not able to go against the Philistine and fight him. You are only a young man. He has been a warrior from his youth. But David said to, call, David said to Saul, this is his response to, to, to his argument of experience. He's saying, your servant has been keeping his father's sheep. He's saying, I have been preparing. And in my preparation of care, in my preparation of servitude, in my preparation of worship, in my preparation of faithfulness, in my preparation of keeping a right spirit. When a lion or bear came out and carried off a sheep from the flock, I went after it and I struck it. I rescued the sheep from its mouth. When it turned on me, I seized it by its hair. I struck it and I killed it. Oh, he's bad. Your servant has killed both the lion and the bear. And the Lord who has rescued me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear will rescue me from the hand of this Philistine. 
Can our confidence be in the one who has been faithful to rescue us time and time again? Let's not forget the faithfulness of our God who said he who started a work will be faithful to complete it. So Goliath starts getting in David's head, and here, here's David's response. And he's like, no, 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 no. I've been preparing for this. I've been training for this. My confidence isn't folded in fear. My confidence is one who fights on my behalf. And he says, I've been worshiping. I've been, I've been here before. And he steps into the battle with a confidence that lies of the lion were defeated and the bully of the bear has been taken care of. And he says, why not me? And sometimes we have to remind ourselves, why not me? In the place of victory we've already come from. And then David says to the Philistine, I'm invite the worship team to come back up. He says, you come against me with a sword and spear, but I come against you in the name of the Lord Almighty, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied this day. The Lord will deliver you into my hands, and I will strike you down. Fear, anxiety, torment, sickness, poverty, comfort, emotional wounds, unforgiveness. I'll strike you down because I have confidence in my God. And I won't only defeat you, I'll cut off your head. This very day I will give to the carcasses. Okay, it's getting graphic here. And the wild animals and the whole world will know that there is a God in Israel. All those gathered here will know that it is not by sword or by spear that the Lord saves. For the battle is the Lord's. And he will give all of you into our hands. Can we stop talking about our giants and start talking to our giants? Can we start speaking to the thing that does not need to be in our proximity? There's a hero in this story, and it's not just David. There was another boy from Bethlehem who was a shepherd named Jesus. And it's pretty evident in this passage that David had a confidence in his God. But that glory wasn't going to be worn by him. His confidence and his security was one who fought the battle for him. The victory is found in Jesus. Maybe you're here today and you just need to hear that. The victory is found in Jesus. The victory over your pain, the victory over your sickness, the victory over your torment, it's found in the name of Jesus. Jesus didn't abandon David. He didn't leave him out on the battle line by himself. You're not alone here. This war that you're facing, you're not fighting alone. 
And the most beautiful preparation tactic that David used was his ability to worship. That his response was one with worship. And I love worshiping because what does it do? It puts my perspective, my gaze, my vision in view. Takes my eyes off myself knowing that I can't do this on my own. Puts my confidence in a God that goes before me. And it allows me to see that no matter what battle I'm in, maybe it's a daily battle, maybe it's an annual battle, maybe it's small, maybe it's big, but if I face it where I start speaking that I see a victory in advance, I know that it's not on my own merit because I really do believe that worship and worry can't coexist. That if we come from the place of worship, we've already received victory.